If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Folks, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve and first principles in the American economy. We welcome Kevin Warsh, former Federal Reserve Governor, Board of Governors. He's now a visiting fellow at the Hoover Institution, a former banker, and probably most importantly, a friend of Larry. Good morning, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, Larry. Good to be with you. So let me just uh, tackle for a second. <clears throat> You and John Kogan were interviewed in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I haven't read the whole document, but you uh, you guys are pushing something called first principles. Can you just give us a rundown of first principles? Sure, Larry. I'd be happy to. You know, the the question that uh, amid the malaise uh, in the economy, the troubles uh, in fiscal and monetary policy, it occurred to John and me that we, what we want to do is look over the horizon a little bit. And so when there's various policies that will be discussed as we get closer to the 2024 presidential campaign, the thought was, how should we think about them? What's the right framework? What's the right device so that we can end up with a set of policies that really lead to a resurgence in economic growth and break out of the malaise and inflation we've got? And uh, we thought there was enough white space, Larry, between the enlightenment of a few hundred years ago and the next 10-point plan that we try to dive deeper principles we come up with basically says that the strength of the American economy is based on an old-fashioned system of natural liberty, natural liberty where people conduct their affairs as they want with uh, voluntary transactions, and at the core of it are three simple ideas. And these ideas might sound old-fashioned to some of your listeners, but we've really wandered far from them in recent years. The first idea is that individuals are different. You can't judge people by where they were born or the color of their skin. They have each individual preferences, and the key to the U.S. economy is to take advantage of them, make sure that we're making the most of them instead of conflating that with group rights. The second, of course, is institutions, institutions that you and I care a lot about, like the Federal Reserve or the Supreme Court. These institutions are being asked to do much more than they're often tasked with originally doing by the Founding Fathers or by statute. Institutions in the private sector are being asked to take on public policy purposes, get into the business of politics, and it's that blurring of institutions that we think have been quite defeatist towards economic growth. And the last of them is what's the core of the U.S. economy, Larry, which you've been preaching for generations? Ideas. Ideas that come from the, from the minds of individuals. And unlike uh, the current politics of envy and economics of envy, in these ideas, good ideas have massive gains. They're not zero sum. It's not like a fixed piece of pie, uh, fixed pie that we fight over the slices. Ideas that come here are the source of great innovation and will lead the country to a strong 21st century. If we go the opposite of these core ideas, we'll just be doing nothing more than a poor imitation of the Chinese Communist Party, in which case the 21st century is going to be fought on their terms, not ours. Mm, that's a good point, uh... Chinese, the Chinese model. We don't want to outshine China. So private property, rule of law, free markets, limited government. 
statements. The primacy of private enterprise. I like that a lot. So, Kevin Warsh, um, let's turn to the Federal Reserve. You were a governor there for many years. Uh, you, uh, In this interview in the journal, you talk about how the Fed has turned towards environment and social policies, climate change, woke, and racial equality, and have pulled back from their principal objective, which should be price stability. You know, As you know, Kevin, we had some lousy inflation numbers this week. Don't see really any improvement in all that story. The question is, as a former Fed governor, um, are they moving sufficiently to conquer inflation? Uh, Larry, in a word, no. Um, uh, between you and me and your listeners, I'd say that the Fed committed the biggest, most significant economic policy error in the U.S. in the last 40 years. Um, they somehow seem to have forgotten that their number one statutory objective, the number one most important thing they can do, all those important causes they care about, like having an economy filled with opportunity, is to ensure price stability. This surge in inflation, which has really been going on for at least a year, this is the most uh, regressive tax that does the most harm to the least well-off among us. So even in their vaunted goals, they're not achieving that. Um, they seem to have pivoted slowly starting in November and December. Chairman Powell gave a press conference uh, earlier this week, but they're moving so tepidly, so modestly. Heck, Larry, uh, it was only five and a half weeks ago. They were still buying mortgages, for goodness sake, using the Fed's mm -hmm. balance sheet to do that. And housing has been on a tear that makes the, the housing tear going into the 08 crisis look like nothing. So they've been very slow to pivot, very slow to normalize policy. And I'm afraid the truth of the matter is uh, it's like we learned in foreign policy. The price for stopping a dictator goes up over time. Same thing's true with inflation. This thing was fixable nine months ago at considerably less cost than they are now. And they're acting very, very, very tepidly. When we had a crisis in 2008, we acted aggressively. When this Fed had a crisis in the spring of 2020, they acted aggressively. Financial markets were breaking down. Banks were insolvent. They acted aggressively. Yet here they're taking their own slow time, and I'm afraid they're, they're, they're going to make the, the, the pain even more significant because their response is asymmetric. Uh, you know, I guess the way I'd say it simply in conclusion to this question, Larry, is at this point, because of the policy error they've made, the pain is inevitable. But the suffering is optional. And, uh, the slower they go, the longer the suffering is going to be and the more pernicious it's going to be to the U.S. economy. You know, on that point about asymmetry, Kevin Warsh, it's interesting. In 2008, they did act rapidly to increase reserves to pour new money into the economy. They did the same thing in 2020. So I guess what I'm worried about, I guess you are too, right now they should be acting very aggressively to drain reserves, to take money out of the economy, N not just to slow, you know, not just to slow down the reserve increases, but to actually drain reserves, Kevin, and that, that will entail a Fed funds rate, presumably that would be above the inflation rate. Right now it's so far below the inflation rate. I mean, that's that's the issue here, is it not? That's the conundrum. You know, they they were quick to pour money in in the deflationary crises, 
but they seem like they don't want to take money out in the inflation crisis. You, you, you got it. Um, it. It's okay for the central bank after 100 years of its existence when it gets confronted by an old-fashioned crisis to act aggressively. Heck, that's the job of the central bank. But when things normalize, they can't just let the let the ammunition stay out there. They've got to rebuild their credibility. And, you know, this this policy that they adopted really starting, Larry, in August 2020 at uh, the Federal Reserve Conference out in Jackson Hole, that was a regime change in policy where they basically said we're going to keep loose money for all seasons and all reasons. And heck, we want a little more inflation. Well, they won't be the first central bank that asked for a little more inflation and got a lot more. So in some sense, what you're saying and what I'm saying is a regime change got into this mess and a, a regime change is necessary to get them out of this mess. And I don't hear from them this week or even in the last several months anything like a regime change. I hear a fiddling with the old regime, which created this inflation, which is four times what they said. Uh, and so it requires uh, the same kind of radicalism that you do in crises when the crisis is of inflation, just like it was when markets were breaking down and banks were breaking down. You know, Mario Draghi famously said in the European crisis a decade ago, we'll do whatever it takes to get out of it. Where's the whatever it takes mindset now, for goodness sake? This, this surge in inflation is doing a lot of harm to the U.S., the least well off among us, and setting a terrible example to, for, for the, of the U.S. economy to the rest of the world. And they look to me like they're going slow and tepidly and uncertain. Uh, the truth of the matter, the Fed's not a victim here. The Fed needs to take uh, ownership and leadership instead of blaming everyone else for the problem that they've largely created. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. At Jay Powell's press conference uh, a couple weeks ago, it had a Biden-esque feel to it. It's, it's not our fault. Biden says it's Putin's fault. And Jay Powell said, yeah, the Ukraine war and the pandemic. But he never really mentioned uh, buying and selling bonds or injecting or withdrawing cash from the economy. It's not mm -hmm. our fault. It's not our mm -hmm. fault. Kevin Worse, last one. How much, uh, in your judgment, um, how much is the Fed handcuffed now by this, you know, climate change policies, racial equality or inequality policies, you know, generally woke policies, rather than the old-fashioned Fed mission to keep uh, the dollar sound and the inflation rate low? Well, they're handcuffed, but... They handcuffed themselves, Larry, and the good news is they've got the keys to undo the handcuffs. Uh, you know, if they can ensure price stability, a lot of these other problems can be remedied much more quickly. If they, if they fail to achieve price stability, economic growth will be weaker. The country will be more divided. We won't be able to create innovations to deal with climate risks over the next generation. So, so they put themselves in a box, and that's what bothers me about their behavior in the last few months. This box was easily foreseeable. But to your point, inflation's a choice. They're not victims here. They're able to get out of it, but not if they continue to do business in, the, uh, in this period, like they've done business in the last couple of years. They created a dangerous regime, and this central bank needs regime change. 
And by the way, I think markets are looking for regime change, too. Markets do not like this kind of uncertainty and pass the buck to someone else. Someone needs to step up. And in the history of economics, uh, inflation can only be fixed by the central bank themselves. And we need them to take this very seriously to fix it. And if they do, a lot of the country's other problems will be remedied by the appropriate actors if they stick to their knitting. I, I really like the regime change theme, Kevin. I really do. I think we've got to sell that. It's very important. Regime change. That's exactly what it is. Sometimes, though, you know, you have to change uh, personnel to get the regime change. And I'm worried about the new crop of Federal Reserve officials. But anyway, we'll talk some more about that. You're going to come on the TV show this week, I hope. So maybe we can talk about regime change. Folks, that was Kevin Warsh former Federal Reserve governor, visiting fellow at the Hoover Institution, important friend of Larry. Thank you, Kevin. 